Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 48 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Chad Knight, and with me, as always, is Lou Schwabach. Sup, yo? We've made it to the last show of the year, and we figured we'd take it out with a bang. A 9mm Glock bang. Held sideways, of course. Of course, that's the only way it's cool, right? Exactly. We're going to end the year with some thumping bass, dope beats, and sick lyrics, yo. Word. Does that sound utterly ridiculous? Absolutely. Of course it does, because we're two fat white guys from the suburbs. Two fat white guys from the suburbs who are going to be talking for the next hour or so about hip-hop and rap music. We went through our history of these genres and handpicked some choice cuts of tunes that speak to us in some way. The song may be linked to some memory, or we might just have some history with it, or it could simply be because one of us actually somehow... (gasps) likes the song. Dun, dun, dun. As any faithful listener of the show will know, this is way out of either of our wheelhouses, so it's going to be a bit of an experiment, and probably a humorous one. I would assume so, yes. So get your bottle of Crystal, put in your grill, and get ready to make it rain! While we get this show started, bitches. Alright, so you made me read that shit. <laughs> and you did a phenomenal job at it. Anyway, so... How you been, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. So last week, we brought them a nice, pretty Christmas episode. We did. We kept it pretty family-friendly. There was a couple maybe dams or hells in there. but Yeah, but for the most part, I think we kept it pretty family-friendly. And for us, that was difficult. It was, and this is going to be a fucking shit show. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If it's not, not even just us, the music itself. Yeah, in fact, doing the editing, there's it's hard to edit some of this music without having some of that in there. Yeah, well, you know, in an episode like this, I think putting a little cursing in the music, not a big deal. If you don't, I mean, unless you're doing all songs by Will Smith, you're going to expect it. Right, right. Which, thankfully, we're not doing all Will Smith songs because I probably would have slipped my wrist by now. Yeah, so this is our New Year's episode. Absolutely. This is the last one by the end of 2017, and we're all doing hip-hop and rap and all kinds of that other fun Funky choice shit. Now, I gotta ask you, did you have a period of hip-hop slash rap where you listened to it, where you got into it? Never. Never? Nope. I mean, I would listen to something that came on the radio, but at the same time, you can scour the scour my music collection. You can look at every CD that I own, and I will prove this by bringing my CD books. No, that's and okay. I, I've seen them. There's a lot of them. Yes, it's, and I do not have a single one. I can't say the same. I, I actually... I went through my hip hop slash gangster rock. You dabbled in the ghetto area for a while. In the nineties for a short time. You know, it's not the nineties really, if you look at my music history, I I went through a lot of different phases in the nineties. Trying to find, you know, what is it that I really We're finding our identities. Right. And And we we all did. And it all comes back to the seventies and eighties. We were, well, you know, it's kind of like they talk about going slumming or whatever, you know. We kind of went slumming and tried out rap and tried out all these other types and realized this is all bullshit. Let's go back to what works. But now let's be fair. Not all of it's garbage. 
I would agree. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't hate as much of this as I thought. Now, there was a couple of these that I did that I thought I was going to hate, and I didn't. And there was a couple of them that I knew by the artist that I'm like, you're an asshole. Thank you for making me edit this. And I did not change my opinion. So, in that respect. All right. So, should we do it? Absolutely. Let's get this going. Let's get liquored up. I agree. Absolutely. We're going to have to for this. <laughs> so now, I could have went the easy way. I could have went and got a couple 40s of Colt 45. But let's be honest, we're a little too lily white up in this neck of the woods, per se, to get that. <laughs> True. So what I found instead, actually, I was walking through the uh, grocery store, and I found a Budweiser. Now, it is a red label, but it's not Budweiser red label. It's the 1933 Repeal Reserve Amber Lager. So they went back, and this is the... December 5th was the anniversary of the end of Prohibition. Prohibition right. What, what amendment was that? Let's see uh, your history book. That, I always get this wrong. Was it the 5th? No, it was like the... 7th? No, it was much It was much later than that. It was 12th? like the 13th, I think. 13th or 14th. All right, well, when you're talking next time, I'm going to have to look that up. Cause okay. For some reason, 12 is standing out to me, but I could be wrong. So this is a, it's an amber lager. It is 12 fluid ounces. They come in these little shorties. And it is 6.1%. You know, it's got a very deep... We actually took the bottles. We, we have the bottles. But we've put them into cups because I wanted to see the color on this thing. And it is a beautiful... It's got a really good nutty color. Amber, like a, almost a caramely color to it. It smells a little hoppier. It doesn't have much of a smell at all, actually. Really? I get a lot of hop on it. No, it's not compared to last week. Well, no, last week's was very, very hoppy. Yeah, last week's was less now, dark as this. before we drink this, what is your opinion of actual Budweiser Red Label? I prefer it to Bud Light. Well, Bud Light is not a beer. Bud Light is mouthwash. Yeah, yeah. Or, or other thing wash, because I won't drink it otherwise. Um, it's okay. I'm a Miller guy myself. Okay. Versus Bud, so it's all right, but it's not my favorite. You know, that, that whole uh, Bud Light thing kind of reminds me of this old joke. There's the... The heads of Miller and Budweiser and Guinness are all together. They're having a meeting, right? And the guy from Miller, he goes up and he orders a Miller Light. guy from Budweiser goes up, he orders a Bud Light. The guy from Guinness goes up and he orders a Coke. And they said to him, why'd you order a Coke? And he said, well, if you guys ain't drinking, I'm not going to either. There you go. <laughs> so, all right, let's give, this a, let's give this a taste and see what we got. All right, let's see. It's bitter. It's got a hop on it. It is bitter. Not very strong hop. It smells more hoppy to me than it tastes. It's very nondescript, actually. Yeah, it's I, very... It's... it's. I'm sorry, it's a basic bitch. Yeah, it's a basic beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it a bar. Yeah, I'll give it a bar. I mean, it's nothing it's, special. No, I mean, I wouldn't pay extra for it. I mean, if I'm going to... I didn't, actually. A six-pack was seven bucks. No, I'm just saying, I wouldn't have paid extra for it. I would just get regular Red Label. But yeah. it's not bad. It's worth trying, but... It's nothing to go out of your way for. Yeah, it's nothing special. So, All right. So I think it's that time, huh? It is. Trivia time. All righty. And now because of our topic, we're going to go with an artist that is featured on, I don't think on our list, but it's in the genre. Okay. Before we do that, let's give a recap here. I am now at 10 and 7 after last week. You are indeed. All right. What do you got? I do only have one question for you this week. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So Curtis, 50 Cent Jackson, the third was shot outside of his grandmother's house in South Jamaica, New York, Queens, I guess, causing him to be in the hospital for 13 days. How many times was he shot? So I'll, I'll repeat this. 
So 50 Cent was shot outside of his grandma's house in Queens, and he was in the hospital for 13 days. How many times was he shot? How the hell am I supposed to know that? Because, I guess? that's You know what? It's less than 20. How about that? There you go. I'll give you a hint. It's oh, less than 20. Okay. And it's not 13. So there you go. You got a double hint on that. Okay, one. fair enough. I will I will try to muster my lucky number guessing and see what we come up with at the end. There you go. And you better not roll a d20 either because if you, if you were to do that and come up with the right answer, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm tapping out right there. <laughs> All right. So why don't you kick us off, man? What are we going right, to start with? I'm going to start off with actually kind of a shitty one. Which is hilarious considering our genre and how much we care for this genre. And that's Right There, Right There by Chingy. Yeah. As he's holding his head. Now, Howard Bailey Jr. is better known by his stage name of Chingy. And I have to say that I would go by his stage name too if my name was Howard Bailey Jr. Because how many rap guys would actually work as Howard Bailey? What's your name? My name is Howard Bailey Jr. <laughs> I mean, really, seriously, you would lose all street cred, period. Well, yeah, but Chingy... We're not even going to go into that. Now, he started writing lyrics and raps when he was in his formative years around age 10 or so and was known in his youth as H. Thugs, with a Z, of course. Because Zs are cool. Exactly. He later changed it to Chingy, which is apparently slang for money. Uh, don't, e- don't even give me that look because I have no fucking clue. Don't even, okay. don't even ask. Okay. Now, Ludacris, who I respect because Ludacris is hilarious... Signed him later and started recording. His first album was 2003's Jackpot, and the single debut Right There peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100, the album going double platinum. He's continued to record and releasing albums and is currently at four studio albums, three of which have gone gold or better, spawning 15 singles. Let's go ahead and sit down right there, right there, while you listen to a little bit of Right There, Right There. I like the way you do that right there, right there. Right Okay, what the fuck was that? I don't know, but <laughs> seriously. Now, I'm not a rapper hip-hop guy, obviously. It should come as no surprise that I had no idea of this song or the artist. How did I come across this? It was because of a soundtrack, and a soundtrack for a movie. The 2005 animated movie Robots, which had Ewan McGregor in it, Robin Williams, Drew Carey, can't remember who the female lead was, but Mel Brooks actually voiced a character in that movie also, had this as part of the soundtrack. And I enjoyed the soundtrack enough because it had a James Brown remix on it, which is cool as hell, that I bought the soundtrack, and this is just one of those songs that was on it. It's featured in the movie pretty heavily. It's not a bad thing because for the movie, for some reason, it seems to work. I won't go out and listen to more of Chingy's stuff, but for this case, it wasn't that bad. The song itself and the artist, I am not a huge fan of, but for the movie, it worked. That's that's all I'm going to say about that one here. I know from our prior conversations that you are going to disagree with me, and let's hear how much you're going to disagree with me. Actually, not as much as you think. Really? Now, he starts early on in the song, he says, I like the way you do that right there. and Right there. I don't know what to say. You know how I am about people misusing language. Uh, or trying to rhyme things that don't really, like, right there and then in your her, in your her. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a rap song. The way he says right there makes me want to cringe every time. Instead of Chingy, maybe he should have named himself Cringy. Maybe I want to slap him right there, right there. Most of the song isn't bad. I just can't get past that whole thur thing, you know? 
It, it's an okay song. Just learn how to talk, would you? Yeah. Well, maybe with maybe with his uh, with his grill, he can't talk street. Did he have a grill in? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and pick us our next one? Well, this is going to be our biggest clash of everything, and and I know it's going to be because honestly, I picked this song to piss you off. Oh, I know which one you're talking about because I mentioned that in a prior episode. You did, and that's exactly why I picked it. So, Hocus Pocus is a song written by Insane Clown Posse and Mike E. Clark for the duo's 1997 studio album, The Great Malenko. The chorus samples a melody from an Egyptian lover song, Egypt, Egypt. A music video for Hocus Pocus was produced in 1997 after the release of The Great Malenko. The entire video was filmed during the day as to avoid overtime costs. It features a comical portrayal of Insane Clown Posse destroying a shoe store before being pursued by security guards. It's hilarious. Really? The video is hilarious. You know, you mentioned destroying a, a shoe store. It makes me want to wonder if Al Bundy was somehow featured. Because no. that would have been pretty tits if it would have. The video also included appearances by hip-hop artists Twisted and Misery. Let's listen to a little Hocus Pocus. And when Insane Clown Posse is an American hip-hop duo composed of Violent J, Joseph Bruce, and Shaggy Too Dope, Joseph Ulster. Founded in Detroit in 1989, Insane Clown Posse performs a style of hardcore hip-hop known as horrorcore and is known for its elaborate live performances. The duo has earned two platinum and five gold albums. According to Nielsen SoundScan, the group has established a dedicated following called Juggalos, numbering in the tens of thousands. Originally known as J.J. Boys and Inner City Posse, the group introduced supernatural and horror-themed lyrics as a means of distinguishing itself stylistically. The duo formed the independent record label Psychopathic Records and produced and starred in a feature films Big Money Hustlers and Big Money Rustlers. They formed their own professional wrestling federation, Pause. Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Okay, hold on. You said Big Money Hustlers. What were the two about? Big Money Hustlers. Was that two separate movies? Yes. and They big, made a fucking sequel? Big Money Rustlers. They made a sequel. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So now they, they started their own wrestling federation, Juggalo Championship Wrestling. And I've actually know, heard of that. Yep. Because they were brought up and they were used for a storyline for about six months in WCW back in the day. Okay. And I would have so, thought that Doink would have joined that for whatever reason. No, he didn't. Doink was a WWE guy. Yeah, but those people were interchangeable at, at certain times, though. Yeah, they were, but no, it was just those. And later collaborated with many well-known hip-hop and rock musicians. The songs of Insane Clown Posse center thematically on the mythology of the Dark Carnival, a metaphoric limbo in which the lives of the dead are judged by one of several entities. The Dark Carnival is elaborated through a series of stories called Joker Cards each of which offers a specific lesson designed to change the quote-unquote evil ways of listeners before the end consumes us all. My thoughts are really all over about this, but I have to start with what I found the funniest in this song. Malenko, the genie, gave me three wishes. That night I ended up fucking three fat bitches. I'm only planning on saying this once tonight, but I am not a huge hip-hop fan, or rap fan for that matter. I did my gangster thing for about two minutes in the 90s, <laughs> 
This is strangely amazing, and I kind of got drawn into the song. I picked the song just to fuck with Lou, and it backfired. I think I may have to look more into Insane Clown Posse because I really enjoyed this song. Of course you did. So, this is the point where you get to tell me how much of a fucking asshole I am. Oh, I think you know. All right, so you, I'm going to let you read this right after I get done speaking this, because my first three words were, Chad, you fucker. <laughs> this is terrible. I expected nothing less. This is terrible. I, I don't know if people can really listen to this and not want to paint their faces like clowns and beat up their family and kick their dogs and burn stuff down and riot. Oh, oh, Okay. No, it's, I'll be honest, I expected to hate this with every fiber of my being, and there was one or two fibers that was left over that were okay. For whatever reason, I don't care for the screeching, but it wasn't as bad as I expected it. I will not go out and buy more of this. I will not go, because I personally met Juggalos when I lived in Iowa. Okay. Iowa Juggalos, imagine that, right? And they were terrible people. <laughs> and that being said, I... No, it's... But I think you can enjoy music without becoming, like, an obsessed follower true yes absolutely if people who take it too far uh, i don't, this it's this is a bad song i'm not going to argue this one at all it is not a good song whatsoever but that being said there were certain elements of it that were not terrible all i would say is do me do me one favor Go out, listen to the song, and watch the video. In fact, I'm going to take my paperwork and show you exactly, yes, I did exactly write those words that I did mention. I believe you. I mean, but do, do me that favor. Watch the video. I will. I'll do it as a favor for you. How about that? That's your Christmas enough. present. It's a, <laughs> and watch for the guys, because they're in their face makeup, and they both have goatees. And it's just pasted white kind of like uh oh god what was it Cesar, it was Cesar Cesar Romero, Romero as the, the Joker be- yeah. where he refused to shave his mustache yeah all right well I'm gonna move on to my next one I've got all right. damn it feels good to be a gangster by the ghetto boys now the ghetto boys office space exactly now the ghetto boys spelled g-e-t-o which originally was g-h-e-t-t-o and that's important somehow I guess is a southern rap group based out of Houston, Texas, that started out with Raheem, the Sire Jukebox, and Sir Rapalot. That Sir Rapalot. I am not making this up. <laughs> that formed in 1986. They pulled in Prince Johnny C, Bushwick Bill, and DJ Ready Red, and released their debut album, Making Trouble, and Making Trouble, I guess, in 1988. And it had pretty much no acclaim at all. Undeterred, they continued to record and hit the charts with their second album, Grip It, on that other level. Since then, they went through a few more personnel changes, hiatuses, and shakeups, and album releases as well. And as of 2015, it's down to Bushwick Bill and Willie D. They've released seven studio albums, three of which have gone gold or better, and have spawned four singles. The boys were known back in the day for controversial lyrics dealing with gore, misogyny, and necrophilia, and which wouldn't go anywhere in mainstream today because that's just how it is, and even though they're still technically active, they haven't released anything since their best of in 2008. Now, as you mentioned, Office Space, so let's kind of step into our little cubicle and listen to a little bit of Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster. Damn it feels good to be a gangster Feeding the poor and helping out with their bills Although I was born in Jamaica Now I'm in the U.S. making deals Damn it feels good to be a gangster I mean one that you don't really know Riding around town in a drop-top Benz, sitting switches in my black 6'4". Just like right there, 
right there. I'm, I, I can't not say that and not repeat it. It's kind of like Sheldon knocking three times. Yeah. This one comes off a soundtrack. It was feature, It was featured in the 1999 cult comedy Office Space, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. Oh, it's, it is great. It's amazing. Especially working in an office and doing customer service, I can relate to at least five or more of the characters. Easy. Without even thinking twice. The awesome part about it is that the gangsters, finger quotes, in question are Peter Gibbons, Michael Bolton, and Samir Naidinaja, who work What at, was that? Samir what? You heard it. Rewind it if you need. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> who were about as non-gangster as they could be. In fact, one part of the movie, they even said, how can how can gangster, or how can criminals be so stupid and be so good at this when us smart guys suck so much at crack? Or at... Uh, at crime when they're trying to launder yeah, the money. Yeah. They're just IT nerds who are trying to do something badass. The song works in a hilariously ironic way, and it just fits the movie perfectly. Whoever was the sound editor for Office Space, Mike Judge did a great job of having that person pick it out. And in fact, if you remember the movie, Michael Bolton, who is the pastiest white guy ever, is sitting there singing this, like in his car, talking about like cop popping a cap and everything else. And a black guy starts walking up, and he, like, rolls up his window and turns There's his volume down, down and everything and locks the doors. I, I don't know. I don't love this song, but it makes me grin just because it makes me think of the movie and just the connotations of it. So, what are your thoughts? You know, this is a really slow groove for a rap song. Oh, it really is. You're right. It's it's it's. There's no real. There's a beat to it, but it kind of plods. Yeah, exactly. Though it truly is a rap song. It's almost like throwing down the gauntlet to all those front big mouthed gangsters of the '90s rap wars. This guy is just low key and saying, if you run low, you run under the cops' radar. If you're a gangster, you know it. You don't have to throw signs and tell everyone what that's what you are because they already know. So. I do love this song. Of course, its use in Office Space definitely makes it more fun. I think it's a good one. He oh. soared. <laughs> Dude, you were Newman side. Come on. I lived, I lived on the east side. Newman side. How do you do that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No. All right. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good one. It's not I, a bad song. It's. A, I'm, it's... I'm don't like the way they spell ghetto, but the fact that they didn't use a Z on boys. Makes me happy. They get, they get a minus for the spelling of ghetto, but a plus, so it's a wash. It's a wash, yeah. There yeah. you go. All right, so what do you got next? All right, so up next, I've got All Love is Lost by Body Count. It's an angry breakup song about betrayal and dealing with the resulting hatred. It's a play on the phrase, no love lost, which means that things ended on good terms. The track features guest vocals by Brazilian metal vocalist Max Cavalera of Soulfly. There are some very strong lyrics in this song, but I think the strongest are tied up in the following lyrics. H is for the hell I unleash. A, arise the apocalypse. T, I am your terror. E, destroy the enemy. Let's see what all love is lost truly means. Now you have the nerve to tell me you're sorry. Body Count is an American heavy metal band formed in Los Angeles, California in 1990. The group is fronted by Ice-T, who co-founded the group with lead guitarist Ernie C out of their interest in heavy metal music. Ice-T took on the role of vocalist and writing the lyrics of most of the group's songs. Lead guitarist Ernie C has been responsible for writing the group's music. Their controversial self-titled debut album was released on Sire Records in 1992. 
The song Cop Killer was the subject of much controversy. Do you remember when that came out? Oh my god, yes. See, now, I had went down to the mall, bought it on tape. At Tape World? At, or Camelot? Camelot. There you go. And I got it before they pulled it from the shelves. Oh, it was that and NWA. Those yeah. were the two big ones, or two live crew. Those are the three. That yeah. They, they were huge. They were, they were either edited heavily or they just were never released in a lot of places. And as Lily as we were up by us, because, I mean, nobody had moved to town except for there was the occasional Asian family or the occasional right. Hispanic or a black family or whatever. But, I mean, it was solid white up yeah, there we when were we pretty, were kids. Yeah. Although the Sire Records parent company, Warner Brothers Records, defended the single, Ice-T chose to remove the track from the album because he felt that the controversy had eclipsed the music itself. The group left Sire the following year. Since then, they have released... Four further albums on different labels, none of which have been received as commercially or critically well as their debut album. Here's my opinion. Just good music. I'm not going to say that this makes me happy, but as a teenager, I remember playing this song over and over after I got dumped. Dude, I hope this song doesn't make you happy. This may not be hip-hop slash rap specifically, but it's close enough for it. This is like rap metal. It's kind of like that version of like Limp Bizkit, yeah, but not so shitty. I say fuck it. This is thrash metal, and thrash metal is where it's at. What do you think, Lou? You know, the song is straightforward. I mean, it's a you fucked me over, and now you're dead to me. Yeah. I, it's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The that's song, classic iced tea. The song is solid. It really is. The delivery is craptastic. You know how I feel about like roaring metal. Like if you can't sing and you just like put your mouth really close to the microphone and it sounds like you're roaring into it. Limp Bizkit was terrible for this. Yeah. I hate that. But this song, I, I wouldn't say it's so much that. He's more rapping. He's not really singing. Ice-T is, but the backing is not. Right. That's the thing. Is Ice-T, like I, I was going to say that I, the music is decent. Ice-T's vocals are classic. I mean, you listen to any of his other stuff, and he's got a good voice. Mm-hmm. It's the background stuff which kind of screws it for me. And that's their special guest, that Max uh, Cavalia or yeah, whatever well, his name is. They, you know... Mr. Ice-T, I think we talked about him prior and like what his real name was or whatever. You, you kind of blew it on this one. Your backing sucked. So the song was decent. I appreciate the message because we've all been through a messy breakup before. But it just kind of it fails on it for me. Okay, fair enough. So what do you got next? All right, next we're going to go with a little Bring the Noise by Public Enemy featuring Anthrax. Speaking of thrash metal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Chuck D. Flavor Flav! <laughs> Professor Griff and Terminator X formed Public Enemy in 1986. They used hard beats and politically charged lyrics to connect with the inner city youths and raise awareness of issues dealing with the black community. And program director Bill Stephanie for a college radio station WBAU referred Chuck D to producer Rick Rubin, who signed with the band after hearing the song Public Enemy Number no. 1. They released their first album, 1987's Yo, Bum Rush the Show. That's actually the title <laughs> of the album. I believe you. To moderate success, it topped out on the R&B charts because they didn't actually have a rap section back then. And it went to 28, and the album has since gone gold. They had a few shakeups, the most prolific one being when Terminator X left the group. He was in a bike accident which shattered his legs, so after a month in the hospital, he called it quits. Chuck D kept the group alive and in 2014 relaunched a side project, PE 2.0, as a spiritual successor with rapper Jahai or however you pronounce that, J-A-H-I, and kept the original band alive. Public Enemy has released 13 studio albums, five of which have gone gold or better, and spawned 40 singles. Chuck D and the boys still tour and perform today, and Bring the Noise is their collaboration with, as I mentioned, the thrash metal band Anthrax. Let's go ahead and bring some noise. Fire, 
think you want to listen to when it comes to you. What you ought to do is follow for now. How are the people say? Make a miracle. Deep. Pump the lyrical. Black is back all in. We're going to win. Check it out. Yeah, y'all, come on. Here we go again. Now, Bring the Noise was released on the soundtrack for 1987's Less Than Zero, which apparently I have a soundtrack thing. Okay. Imagine that. It was put out as a single later on in 1987 and then put out as a first song on Public Enemy's second album, It Takes a Million to Hold Us Back. The song's all over the place, rapping about inner city life and how badass they are and such things. Chuck D shouted it out to Anthrax because apparently he learned that Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian wore a Public Enemy shirt in an Anthrax show. And because of which, Ian said that he later wanted to cover the song for the Attack of the Killer Bees cover and B-side album, and the rest is history. That's where it came from. I personally did not listen to Public Enemy. The only time I really heard it was from the Anthrax CD, because I was a big fan of thrash metal and Anthrax, and that's where I heard it. The song, with its heavy-beaten thrash guitar work, works well and succeeds, I think, kind of like the Aerosmith Run DMC cover of Walk This Way did. I have to say this, though. Flavor Flav is a cartoon. Oh, Seriously, God, yes. The yeah. dude is an, a walking animation, and it's impossible to take the guy seriously. However, that being said, Flavor of Love, that show on VH1, was goddamn hilarious. I'm sorry, especially when Bridget Nielsen came in. That it, I don't know. I enjoyed the song. You hear more of... You do hear the rap, of course. You hear more of the heavier metal than you would normally for the actual song itself the original one i actually like the song it's not a bad song i wouldn't go out and put it on repeat for hours and hours on end but i'm not going to turn it off it's an entertaining song fair enough i i put in here this is a lot like the body cut song from earlier a thrash band hooking up with a rap group so chuck d and flavor flavor from public enemy work with the boys from anthrax now in the video the chaos on stage on stage makes it hard to believe that this is the result I mean, it's a great song, but if you look at the what's going on on the stage when they're showing it in the video, you could never put the two of those together and go, yeah, that looks right. Like a happy accident almost? <laughs> yeah, I, I've always enjoyed this song. It's just a fun song with a stiff backbeat and the guitar and rap when you could still understand rappers. Yes. Well, it's the same thing with some heavy metal, too. You get yeah. a lot of the metal artists that are just like, again, either roaring or they just scream into it. It's like, if I can't understand it and I have to look up the words to the song, it's not worth my time. I would agree. So I really like this one. Not a whole lot more to say about it. All right, so let's go on next. All right, so next we've got Baby Got Back. It's a hit song written and recorded by American rapper Sir Mix-a-Lot from his album Mac Daddy. The song samples the 1986 Detroit techno single Technicolor by Channel One. At the time of its original release, the song caused controversy with its outspoken and blatantly sexual lyrics about women, as well as specific references to the female buttocks, which some people found objectionable. I don't find a female butt objectionable, do you? I'm pretty much a fan, Ashley. Yeah. The video was briefly banned on MTV. Baby Got Back has remained popular and even anthemic since it was originally featured on the album Mac Daddy in 1992. It was the second best-selling song in the U.S. in 1992 behind Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. That is hilarious if you think about it. <laughs> with sales of 2,392,000 physical copies that year. The first verse begins with, I like big butts and I cannot lie. And most of the song is about the rapper's attraction to large buttocks. The second and third verse challenge mainstream norms of beauty. 
I ain't talking about Playboy, because silicone parts are made for toys. And so Cosmo says you're fat? Well, I ain't down with that. The song came from a meeting of the minds between Sir Mix-a-Lot and Amelia Dorsey, who saw little representation of full-figured women in the media. The idea came from the 1980s Budweiser commercial featuring very thin, valley girl-esque models. They decided to dedicate a song to the very opposite featuring curvy women of color. Mix and Dorsey sought to broaden the definition of beauty. Sir Mix-a-Lot commented in the 1992 interview, The song doesn't just say, I like big butts. You know, the song is talking about women who damn near kill themselves to try to look like these beanpole models that you see in Vogue magazine. He explains that most women respond positively to the song's message, especially black women. They all say, about time. Well, I too like big butts and I cannot lie. So, enjoy this clip. To the beanpole dames in the magazines, you ain't it, Miss Thing. Give me a sister, I can't resist her. Red beans and rice didn't miss her. Some knucklehead tried to diss, cause his girls are on my list. He had game, but he chose to hit him. And I pull up quick to get with him. So ladies, if the butt is round, and you want a triple X throwdown, dial 1-900-MIX-A-LOT and kick them nasty thoughts. Baby got back. <laughs> So Anthony Ray, better known by his stage name Sir Mix-a-Lot, is an American rapper and recording producer. He is best remembered for his hit song Baby Got Back. Sir Mix-a-Lot and his partner Nasty Nez founded the Nasty Mix record label in 1983. Mix-a-Lot's first hit, released in 1987, was the single Posse on Broadway, whose title referred to Broadway in Seattle's Capitol Hill District. Swass, Mix-a-Lot's debut album, was released in 1988 with two other singles, Square Dance Rap, and hip-hop cover of the Black Sabbath song Iron Maiden, backed by the band Metal Church. I kind of want to find that. Kind of, yeah. You know, in that in that weird kind of like, I want to hear it, but I think it's going to suck. I mean, it's, it's Sabbath, so it can't be horrible, horrible, but... Right. So in 1990, the Recording Industry Association of America certified SWAS Platinum. In 1991, Sir Mix-a-Lot signed to the Deaf... Uh, American label, who also bought the rights to his first two albums and released his third album, Mac Daddy, in 1992. The single Baby Got Back was a number one hit that went double platinum and won the 1993 Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance. MTV aired the music video for the song only during evening hours because of what was termed its sexual nature. Oh my god, compared to what's out there now? I know. In my opinion, one of the songs just oozes fun. I have liked this song since the first time I ever heard it. I know it's about thick girls, but being a thick guy, I like my girls that have a little meat on their bones. What do you think, Lou? You know, and here's the best part about the song, though, is that the song itself, it doesn't talk about, like, being rich. It doesn't talk about, you know, all your bitches being everywhere else, having, like, a a big car and everything else. Well, he does talk about, you know, do you want to roll my Mercedes? But but, that's about as close as you get. Right, but he's also talking about how basically what his preference are. Right. You know, I mean, you get people who... And just, you're exactly right, challenging the norm. You got the people who want, you know, all the skinny people. I ain't down with that. And just the way he says it to is just awesome. Now, the song itself, it's a classic 80s rap song. I think everybody knows at least some words from this song. I can do the whole thing. That doesn't surprise me for some reason. I have to say, though, most times that when I ever hear this sing, it's white chicks who are singing it. Yeah, a lot, yeah. It's almost all white women who are singing it who might be a little bit bigger, but not always. And just my last note on this one here is that Nicki Minaj should be ashamed of herself for sampling this for her song Anaconda. Well, he does say my Anaconda don't want none. But he kept play- that she kept playing that part 
in her song over and over again and then had her shitty voice with it. Yeah, fair enough. So the All song right. is great. I enjoy the song. All right. So what do you got next? Next we're going to go with another 80s artist, and that's going to be Tone Loke. We're going to do a little wild thing. No, not we, because that's just gross. But, <laughs> no. You're the only one that thought of that. That never even crossed my mind. <laughs> it did now, though, didn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of gross. <laughs> now, Anthony Terrell Smith, better known as his stage name Tone Loke, is an American rapper and actor. He started his musical career in 1987 and in 1989, released his first studio album, Loked After Dark, where it peaked at number one on the U.S. charts and has since gone double platinum. A couple years later, he released his second and final album, Cool Hand Loke, to very little fanfare. Don't feel too bad for Tone Loke, though, because he's kept himself pretty busy doing voice work and occasionally acting, most notably being as Emilio in the 1994 comedy Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Between that and the royalties he gets from his two biggest hits, Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina, he's doing pretty okay. Let's go ahead and get a little crazy and listen to some Wild Thing. One thing led to another. I get in the door, I go hit the floor, looked up and it was a mother. I didn't know what to say. I was hanging by a string. She said, hey you too, I was once like you and I like to do the wild thing. Wild thing. She loved to do the wild thing. Wild thing. Unlike the Trog's 1966 hit Wild Thing, which is about a woman, Trial Thing is a softcore rap song about sex. Plain and simple. There's there's no nothing about it. And the song Straight Up, Dirty, Down, Getting It On, there you go. I enjoy the song not just for the topic, but for the fact it's got a good beat and it's actually fun to listen to. You know, I mean, it's not profane. There's not a lot of swearing. There's no swearing, I think. No, I don't think whatever. so. And... He doesn't take himself too seriously, and it just seems to enjoy performing and singing, which makes the song work for me. I, I dig this song. I really do. And it's something that can be put out there for, even though it's about sex, it can be put out there for anything, and it'll still be okay. Fair enough. What do you think? Well, Tone Loke and that voice. I think he was famous mostly just for that, his voice. I mean, look at the guy. And then he starts rapping, and that voice comes out of him. It's another song about sex, as you said, but what was funnier to me was the video is a blatant ripoff in style from Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. You know, with the girls and the guitars oh, doing oh, the box step, the okay, whole... Okay, pause for a second. Okay, we're good. Okay, but what really caught my eye, though, was in was the guy in the back. So you had these girls in, like, the, the reverse V. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their little thing with their guitars and whatever. And Pretending to play. <laughs> and one girl's got a tambourine that she never actually hits against anything. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. There was a guy who had a uh, turntable strapped around his neck. And the turntable was hanging, like, at gut level. And he was back there scratching. So he's doing all Flavor Flav style. Yeah. In, in midair, he's, like, scratching on this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I do really like this song. And I was a little surprised, actually, that you didn't choose... Funky, cold, Medina. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. It was kind of torn between the two, and for whatever reason, I like this one better. Okay, fair enough. You know, if somebody had said to me, Tone Loke, the first thing that would have come out of my mind... Funky, cold, Medina. Medina. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, good song. I, I like this one. Cool. All right, let's go ahead with your next one. All right, my next one is, well, Miami. It's a 1998 single from Will Smith's debut solo album, Big Willie Style. It samples The Whispers' 1980s hit, and the beat goes on. Miami won an MTV VMA Best Male Video Award. The video features an early appearance of future Hitch co-star Ava Mendez. Well, let's take a trip to Miami. 
I only came for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Willard Carroll Will Smith Jr. is an American actor, producer, rapper, comedian, and songwriter. Jeez, I bet you he gets bored easily. Yeah. In April 2007, Newsweek called him the most powerful actor in Hollywood. Smith has been nominated for five Golden Globe Awards and two Academy Awards and has won four Grammy Awards. In the late 1980s, Smith achieved modest fame as a rapper under the name The Fresh Prince. In 1990, his popularity increased dramatically when he starred in the popular NBC television series The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which ran for six seasons until 1996. After the series ended, Smith transformed from television to film and has gone on to star in numerous blockbuster films. He is the only actor to have eight consecutive films gross over $100 million in the domestic box office, 11 consecutive films to gross over $150 million internationally, and eight consecutive films in which he starred open at the number one spot in the domestic box office tally. He's got to be broke ass. Oh, yeah. You know, and... No, whatever. So Smith has been ranked as the most bankable star worldwide by Forbes. As of 2014, 17 of the 21 films in which he has had leading roles have accumulated worldwide gross earnings of, of over $100 million each. Five taking in over $500 million each in global box office receipts. As of 2016, his films have grossed $7.5 billion at the global box office. For his performance as boxer Muhammad Ali in Ali in 20, 2001 and oh, stockbroker Chris Gardner in The Pursuit of Happiness 2006, Smith received nominations for the Academy Award for Best Actor. That movie is depressing as shit. It was, but it was so good. It was a great movie, but it was just like, oh, oh. Yeah, exactly. The whole time you're like, maybe he's going to get ahead. Nope. Yeah, it's like he's like the movie version of getting shit on over and over again. Yeah, so my thoughts on this song is summer. This time of year, summer is a good thing to have. Yeah, I really, it's fucking cold out. I know. I really enjoy this. But he still has a feel of the Fresh Prince, but he's definitely is starting to break out of that style into just good hip-hop versus the more childish look at the world of him and his DJ Jazzy Jeff. Thoughts? Big Willie struck again. He really yeah. did. You know, and I personally, in fact, I even put this on here, I think it's kind of a neutered rap song. Yeah, it kind of is. It's, you, granted, we're talking more of like the hip-hop and kind of harder core, but it's kind of a step up from the DJ Jazzy Jeff, but a step down from anything that's hardcore. Yeah, absolutely. This, this, it's I radio-friendly. How about I that? would call this hip-hop. This is not rap. I actually have to admit, I own Big Willie style. That doesn't surprise me, and I have it burned, actually. I don't personally own it, but I think I burned a copy of it. Because it does have some good songs on it, like, as I was going to mention here, Wild Wild West, I yep. enjoyed. Getting Jiggy With It and Men in Black, I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, they're decent songs. This one just seems like a cash grab, more on his name. I mean, it's... It sounds, it's to me, it seemed like something that the tourism board for the city would be like, let's put this song on there. Hey, Will, can you write something for us? And apparently Pitbull wasn't available, so let's have Will Smith do it. Okay. So, <laughs> um, 
What do you got next? <laughs> All right. We're going to go with a little Let's Go by Trick Daddy featuring Lil Jon and Twista. I know you get to this one eventually. All right. Now, Maurice Young is the rapper who is known as Trick Daddy, formerly Trick Daddy Dollars. And it was actually spelled correctly, dollars instead of dollar. Wow. So that that's a plus. He was raised in the Pork and Beans Project in Liberty City, Florida. And I'm not making this up. It actually is called the Pork and Beans Project. Well, the projects, each of them have strange names usually. But it's, it's Florida. Natural. How bad but, can the projects really be? Well, you know, but it's, it's like the projects, they have the, the actual name they're given. And then like Pork and Beans Project would sure. be what the people that live there called it. Well, for the record, I could probably live off of Pork and Beans if they're the right brand. I could not. Oh, no. I like beans, but I don't think I could go as far as to live on pork and beans. I don't think people could be around me if I lived on pork and beans. Fair enough. But now, moving on. His dad was a pimp. You would be a crapper. Yeah, literally, yes. His dad was a pimp who took him and his brother away from his mom in their teens, and that's when he started to deal crack. So it's a great story to begin with already. Yeah, it's it's great family fun. He got pinched for drugs and firearm possession, and the day he was released... He was arrested for attempted murder the same fucking day. Hi, let's get out of jail and go try to kill somebody. Well, you know, you got you got work to do. You've been in jail for how long? You got shit to do, man. <laughs> Jesus. He got 20 years, and when he was released, was urged by Slip and Slide Records founder Ted Lucas to pursue rap and stay off the streets. So he spent 20 years in prison for his second stint. You yeah. don't know how long he did the first time. I don't know. So I, what, by the time he actually started making records, he was 40? Something like that, sure. He appeared on a track with former Two Live crew member Luther Luke Campbell, and the song became a hit which propelled Trick Daddy Dollars to stardom. He was signed and released his debut 1997's Based on a True Story, where it cracked the top 20 in the R&B charts, doing well in Miami, imagine that. But it didn't really go anywhere aside from that. He kept recording, and between album releases, was in one movie playing a drug dealer. Of course. Shocking, right? Hey, well, you know, typecasting, I guess. Now, he couldn't keep his nose clean, pun intended, and was convicted of cocaine possession, carrying a concealed weapon, and violating parole and served 15 months. Ten years in February, he was arrested on gun charges, and again in September when cops found cocaine and marijuana on him, he got probation. Probation. After all that, well, because now he was famous. Any of the rest of us would have gotten... 20 years. Right, exactly. Now... Ten years later, even, he was found that he was arrested outside of his home on suspicion of being a grow house. Upon searching, the cops found a pistol and, you guessed it, more coke. When he wasn't under arrest or in jail, he released a total of eight albums, five going gold or better, and spawned 12 singles. So, let's go and listen to Let's Go. Now, Bravo, sir. Bravo. Yeah, that was that was a great intro. There was very little I could do with that. Yeah, I know. Now, let's go. I don't recall where I originally came upon with this one, but upon listening to it, I was kind of pleased. Sure, it has Little John in it, which I'm not a fan of, and a rapper by the stupid name of Twista, but I can get beyond that. Why? Because they sample one of the best metal songs of all time, and that is Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. And it doesn't just do a little bit of a sampling, it's throughout the whole damn song. I can't say I'm going to listen to this one often, 
But when a good sample is used and it's used right, I can give it a little slack. That's why I included this one. I don't hate this song. I don't love this song, but it's not bad. So what are you thinking? Well, they sampled out Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. But this is some very angry rap and some good music in the background. I'm not sure how to feel about this song. I mean, we've got Osborne, but then we have that rap shit in the background. <laughs> this is rap I'd call shit. Okay. Sorry, but I, but I would. Still, a lot better than some of the other songs on this list. I'm going to say hard pass. Just okay. not, not for me. Kind of like when you're going to cherry pick the Ozzy stuff out of it and the rest that you throw away. Well, you know, I'm just going to go grab Blizzard of Oz and listen to Crazy Train oh and be done God, with dude. it. Such a good album, but that's a topic for a whole different episode. I get that, but you know what I'm saying? If, if, if it comes down to, how do you want to listen to your Osborne? I'm just going to go grab the album. Well, hells yeah, but then again, we're also doing a rap episode, so we don't have a choice. That's true. That's so true. let's kind of redeem a little. Yeah, I think we can here. Actually, I enjoy this next one. Insane in the Brain is a 1993 single by the American hip-hop group Cypress Hill. In addition to hitting number one on the U.S. rap chart, the song was also a mainstream hit, reaching number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1993. Oh, wow. I would not have expected it to be that high, but okay. Earned a gold certification from the Recording Industry Association of America and sold 600,000 copies domestically. It was a highly successful... In many other countries as well. The song was released on the group's Black Sunday album. The popular lyric, Insane in the Membrane, is sometimes confused for the title. According to Be Real, the song was actually a diss song aimed at chub rock. <laughs> is it like fat guys listening to rock music? I don't know. I'm so, guessing. So apparently you and I listen to chub rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's a diss song. Eh, whatever. The group felt Chubb had re- ridiculed their style on his 1992 album, I Gotta Get Mine, Yo. Let's see if you're insane in the brain. And the lights are blinking, I'm thinking it's all over when I go out drinking. Oh, making my mind slow. That's why I don't fuck with the big four. Oh, bro, I got to maintain. Cause a nigga like me is going insane. So Cypress Hill is an American hip-hop music group from Southgate, California. Cypress Hill was the first Latin American hip-hop recording group to have platinum and multi-platinum albums, selling over 18 million albums worldwide. They are considered to be among the main progenitors of West Coast rap and hip-hop in the early 1990s, being critically acclaimed for their first four albums. The band has also advocated for medical and recreational use of cannabis in the United States. Really? Oh my god, no way. My thoughts on this one. I love this song. Of course, when this song came out, I may have been involved in some questionable things. Really? So, just a song about smoking some weed and getting a little insane. Not a whole lot to say about it. I like it. Still do. The song, not the weed. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm nodding my head with the sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you are, because you're an asshole. Oh, wait, everybody knows that. Takes one to know one. <laughs> I, never, I, never, I never just said that I wasn't, all right? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this one? All right, now, this 1993 song sounds a bit like 1992's Jump Around from House of Pain. With the beat and that high pitch, what they call horse neigh sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. All right, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. Everyone knows the chorus, but just because everybody knows it doesn't mean it's a good song. I don't really care for this, but I did find out later that it was produced by the same guy who did 
jump around, which would make sense on why they sound alike. Yeah, I suppose. I am not a fan of the song. It's just it's just kind of irritating to me. It, the song annoys me, and I'd be like, oh, this is a pass for me. Okay. Next. Fair enough. What do you got next? Next, I've got a little bit of Out of Control by Travis Barker and Yellow Wolf, if that's how you pronounce that. That's how I would pronounce it. It's spelled all fucked up. It's Y-E-L-A-W-O-L-F, but it's like Yellow Wolf. But, but there's no dollar signs or shit like that, so it's... Well, I suppose, but... <laughs> so, Travis Barker is better known as the Blinked 182 drummer. Pretty, okay. Pretty, pretty safe and easy. He joined the band in 1998 and with Blink-182 released their third and best-selling effort, 1999's Anima of the State. which had, Anima of the State? Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Nice. Which had a great track list and a porn star on the cover. I think it was Janine, if I'm not mistaken. But she's, I don't know my porn stars, but she's, I'm sorry. But she's dressed in a nurse's outfit, which is why the Anima of the State worked. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I digress. He kept on with them and then in 2005 started doing collaborations with hip-hop and rap artists. It was also in that year that Blink-82, per Geffen, went on an indefinite hiatus due to infighting. Bands fighting what? with each other? No way! Amazing! They didn't even speak with each other until Barker was involved in a serious plane crash in 2008. Blink-182 reunited, and while still working with his former band, he still produced and released his own material. He's released one studio album on his own, but has had a ton of guest appearances. 69, which apparently is a huge number in recording. 69, dude. I'm going to have to go watch that movie. And he's collaborated with a ton of different people with a lot of different times. Let's go ahead and get a little crazy and go out of control. Keeping the creek in the pond, back in the streets like a dealer to feed him songs. I've been in with everything. I'm too rock for hip-hop. Too hip-hop for rock and roll. I'm too city for rednecks. And I'm too country for city folks. Now, Out of Control was a 2016 single that wasn't released as part of any albums. I came across this song, shockingly, as part of a soundtrack, which is a recurring theme, apparently, for me. Yeah, well, yeah. It it happens. And now, it wasn't a soundtrack for a movie, though. It was a soundtrack for a video game. Okay. And the soundtrack was for WWE 2K17, which you know just as well as I do, that's where it featured, because you played that game with me. Yeah, yeah. The whole game's soundtrack, which ranges from Black Sabbath to 21 Pilots, was chosen by Sean Combs, which I would say better known as, but who knows what he calls himself nowadays. P. Diddy, right? Puff Diddy? That's what he was at one time. I don't know if I think he changed it to like... Wasn't that Dr. Love now or some shit? Yeah, some shit like that. I don't know. Now, of course, he had to include one of his own songs, but I'm going to cut him some slack because he did choose a Sabbath song, and it's self-love, but not the level of Kanye's self-love. Now... Since I played the hell out of the game, I heard this song a lot. A lot I heard this song. I initially didn't care for a whole lot of anything other than the chorus, which is what we probably just listened to. But the more and more I listened, the more it grew on me. I I don't care for the message. I don't care for anything extra, but I just dig the song. I don't know why. That's that's the easiest way to put it. I can't put my finger on why, but I just like it. All right, so I'm going to read this just the way I wrote it. (laughs) How great. What the fuck is this? I swear every episode you bring something that is straight up garbage. Did you do this to get back at me for ICP? I can't think of any other reason you choose this. Is it rap? Is it rock? Is it what? It's actually both. 
I can't do this one. Hard pass. This is easily the worst song on the list. Oh, I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna say no to that one. But let's go ahead and pick your next one, just because I don't feel like defending something that I'm okay with. <laughs> All right, so. It's Tricky is the fourth and final single released from Run DMC's third album, Raising Hell. It was released early in 1987 through Profile Records and was co-produced with Rick Rubin and the group themselves. The song peaked at number 57 on the Billboard Hot 100. Two decades after the song's release, the Knack sued Run DMC. Oh, those guys. On the grounds, It's Tricky sampled their song, My Sharona, without permission. Okay, two decades later, sorry, you missed the boat. Shut the fuck up. You know, and I... Listen to I've listened to both of those many times. I don't hear it. I don't either, but... The song is used in the promotional clip for the FX television series Snowfall, set to air in July 2017. The original song appeared in the 2016 video game Forza Horizon 3, also has appeared in the video games SSX Tricky and WWE 2K16. Let's see if it's tricky up in here. In New York, the people talking try to make us rhyme. They really hawk, but we just walk Run DMC was an American hip-hop group from Hollis, Queens, New York, founded in 1981 by Joseph Simmons, Daryl McDaniels, and Jason Mizell. Run DMC is widely acknowledged as one of the most influential acts in the history of hip-hop culture and one of the most famous hip-hop acts of the 1980s. Along with LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys, and Public Enemy, the group pioneered new-school hip-hop music. Run DMC was the first group in the genre to have a gold album, Run DMC 1984, and to be nominated for a Grammy Award. They were the first to earn a platinum record, King of Rock 1985, and the first to earn multi-platinum certification, Raising Hell 1986. The first to have their video broadcast on MTV, and the first to appear on American Bandstand and the cover of Rolling Stone. Run DMC was the only hip-hop act to perform at Live Aid in 1985. The group was among the first to highlight the importance of the MC and DJ relationship. In 2004, Rolling Stone ranked them number 48 in their list of the greatest musical artists of all time. In 2007, Run DMC was named the greatest hip-hop group of all time by MTV.com and greatest hip-hop artist of all time by VH1. On April 4, 2009, rapper Eminem inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In doing so, Run DMC became one of only three hip-hop groups in history to be inducted after NWA. I'm thinking this is a song about what we would call first world issues. It's a song that kind of spends most of it saying, what's wrong with being famous? Yeah. Being a guy who has spent his life wanting fame, I find it kind of annoying, honestly. I don't think we can understand what it's like, though. In fact, we talked about that when we had that Evanescence song on White Queen. I mean, we can't imagine what it's like to be stalked, but I'm sure it sucks. Right. I, I would agree. I like the song, but when you really think about the lyrics, it makes me think if I was famous, I'd be more like Gabriel Iglesias, you know, the fluffy one, and be thankful for being famous. Yeah, you know, no, I, I would agree with you on that one here. Now, Run DMC, they are considered probably the godfathers of hip-hop. I mean, they really are. My Adidas and, of course, Walk This Way, Yep. which is a great video. It is. It's um, hilarious. It is a pretty cool video. The song is really accessible. Anybody can get into this song. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's grandma at the dance cl- at the dance club, more at the wedding or something like that, or if it's you know just a kid listening to it. There's no profanity to it. It's just a fun song. 
It's been put in a ton of different media, as you mentioned, SSX Tricky, which is an amazing game that EA put out. And then also, if you remember the movie Road Trip, they had DJ Qualls, the little nerdy guy who was dancing the Black Fraternity. That song came on during there, too, and it was amazing. It was just such a great song. It is on a list that I would really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely like that song. All right, so what's your last one for today? My last song, I personally saved the best for last, and that is Jump Around by House of Pain. Now, Eric Everlast Schrode, Lior DJ Lethal Diamant, and Daniel Danny Boy O'Connor formed House of Pain in 1991. They signed with the label and released their debut album, 1992's House of Pain, another self-titled one, imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it peaked at number 14 on the U.S. charts and has since gone platinum. They released two more albums in the 90s before breaking up in 1996. Each member went their own separate ways and had successes. Everlast had an amazing solo career. Danny Boy founded an art company of all things. And DJ Lethal hooked up with that shit rock band Limp Bizkit. And I'm not going to apologize for that because Limp Bizkit is shit rock. Okay. 2006 saw Danny Boy forming La Coca Nostra and reuniting the trio for the first time since the breakup. We then fast forward to 2010 where they reunited and it felt so good. Where they went on tour <laughs> without Lethal because of Limp Bizkit obligations and then took a hiatus again for solo work but came back together for the 25th anniversary show. House of Pain only released three studio albums, but two of which went gold or better, which is a pretty good percentage, and it did spawn eight singles. It would seem that individually they were more successful than together, but you can't deny that House of Pain is awesome. Let's go ahead and bounce a little and jump around. I got the skill, come get your bill, cause when I shoot the gift, I shoot the kill. I came to get down, I came to get down, so get out your seat and jump around, jump around. Jump Around is a 90s classic rock song that is a staple. It is a trio of white guys playing at being Irish, even though one of them is Latvian American. It's full of bluster and talking about being badasses. It's shown up in a ton of different movies and genres, some of which make sense, like Happy Gilmore or Rush, Rush Hour. But some, such as Bridget Jones's Baby, really kind of makes me wonder. Now, more importantly, this song is used in sports. Anyone who's a fan of the Badgers football team knows what I'm going to say. And knows what I'm talking about. And this is what happens at the beginning of the fourth quarter at Camp Randall. All I have to say is, wow. If you want to see and experience something that is amazing, go to a home game and be ready in the stands when it comes on the loudspeakers at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It makes your hair stand up and definitely pumps you up regardless of the score. Jump Around is simply incredible, and I think it should be experienced by any college fan as well as just anybody who likes that type of music. I really enjoy the song. So, obviously, you're kind of giving me that I-think-you're-full-of-shit look. So, what is your thought? This song annoys the hell <laughs> out of me. Of course it does. The squealing, whatever the hell that is in the background, is just painful. I had a headache by the but time you, the song was but, over. But you were okay with Insane of the Membrane, which had something equally as annoying, if not worse. I disagree. It's not as high-pitched and squealing as in Jump Around. Right, we're going to have to put those next to each other because they're pretty goddamn close. We, we can check it out. I know it's used, like you said, at Camp Randall Stadium for the Badger games, but that doesn't make it a good song. I, I'm just not a fan. I, I don't have a whole lot to say. I just I could do without. All right. Why don't you wrap it up, then? All right. So this one, I think... Even though you're wrong. I'm okay with the fact that you like it. You should be okay with the fact that I don't. So I am okay with it, but it seems that whenever I'm okay with something, it's okay. But when you're okay with something, I'm the bad guy. So you know what? Fuck you. No. 
you're the bad guy in this one, so let's finish it up. All right, so Lose Yourself is a song by American rapper Eminem from the soundtrack to the 2002 motion picture 8 Mile. The song was written by Eminem and produced by Eminem along with longtime collaborator Jeff Bass, one half of the production duo Bass Brothers, and Louis Resto. Lose Yourself received acclaim from music critics, with many critics praising the song's aggressive themes and describing it as Eminem's best work to date. Eminem's rapping ability, the lyrics, and the production were also praised. Lose Yourself was a commercial success, peaking atop the charts in 18 countries. In the United States, Lose Yourself reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the first of five Eminem singles to top the Hot 100. Lose Yourself won the Academy Award for Best Original Song in 2003, making it the first ever rap song to have received this accolade, and also won the Grammy Award for Best Rap Song and Best Rap Solo Performance in 2004. In 2004, it was one of only three hip-hop songs from the 21st century to have been included on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, and was also the highest ranking at number 166. Rolling Stone also ranked it one of the top 50 hip-hop songs of all time. The song was certified quintuple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, and as of September 2017, it has 7.4 million downloads in the United States alone. It was ranked number 93 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs list. In October 2011, NME placed it at number 57 on its list, 150 best tracks of the past 15 years. Now, lose yourself. He know he won't have it, he knows his whole back's at his ropes. It don't matter, he's dope, he knows that, but he's broke. He's so stagnant, he knows when he goes back to this mobile home, that's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rap city better go capture this moment and hope it don't do it. Marshall Bruce Mathers III, known professionally as Eminem, is an American rapper, songwriter, record producer, and actor. Eminem is the best-selling artist of the 2000s in the United States. Throughout his career, he has had 10 number one albums on the Billboard 200 and five number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100. With U.S. sales of 47.4 million albums and 42 million tracks as of June 2014, Eminem is the second best-selling male artist of the Nielsen SoundScan era the sixth best-selling artist in the United States, and the best-selling hip-hop artist. Globally, he has sold more than 172 million albums, making him one of the world's best-selling artists. Rolling Stones ranked him 83rd on its list of 100 greatest artists of all times, calling him the king of hip-hop. I think there isn't much to say here other than what has been said about this song. I love the song because it makes me more determined to be the man I want to be. I want to lose myself in what I want to do. Unfortunately, real life gets in the way. I'm a 40-something with a couple of kids, so I have to find a different way to be famous. And maybe Critic is the way to go. Great song, great message, and let's face it, Eminem can rap. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest, I didn't care for Eminem in the beginning. Because it was pretty much shoved down our throat by the mainstream. It, It really was. There's no way to look around it. Once the Eminem craze and... By rights, also the Slim Shady stuff died down. I started to listen more, and the dude is hella talented. I You can't take anything away from that. This song won an Oscar for Best Original Song, and I have no objections to that at all. And actually, here's a little piece of trivia that I didn't hear you mention. That's that this was actually the first ever rap song to win an Oscar. Oh, okay. So, no, I like it. I, would, I have not actually seen 8 Mile. I've been told I'm missing something great by not seeing it, but... I have no objections to watching it, and this is a great song. It really is. Excellent. 
All right, so why don't we wrap up with trivia here? Okay, so just to recap the question, and that was that Curtis, 50 Cent Jackson the third, because that's important apparently, was shot outside his grandmother's house in South Jamaica, Queens, New York, causing him to be in the hospital for 13 days. How many times was he shot? I'm guessing here, and I'm going to say seven. You're actually pretty close. Here's a, You like classic movies, right? 80s movies? Yeah. How many times was Ferris Bueller gone, and how many absences did he have? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. Nine times. Okay. So 50 Cent was shot nine times outside and spent 13 days in the hospital. That's not a bad ratio, really. The fact that he survived being shot and exactly nine times, I mean, depending on it, what size of magazine you have, I mean, that's and, better than half a clip. And out of the hospital in under two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I suppose when you got the money, you could afford the best care. But still, damn, y'all. Yeah, exactly. I'd be bitching about being grazed. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, uh, well, announcements. announcements. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. Yeah, let's talk about Evercon one last time. So Evercon, from the day this drops, Evercon will be just a few days away. Right. And so Evercon is a place where you and I are going to do a live show. We're going to call it Shea Geek or something to that effect, where we're going to talk about music that is impact in the... In it's influence. We're going to do the influence of like uh, fantasy and sci-fi and just basically geek couture. Yeah, exactly. So we're doing that Sunday afternoon, so if you're going to be at Evercon anyway, why don't you come check us out, take a listen. It'll be a lot of fun. You know, you also can do role-playing all weekend long. They've got food on site. They've got vendors. They've got... And if you're of age, they have different uh, things you can imbibe that would be adult beverages. And as a matter of fact, I am waiting. I will be purchasing our um, liquored up portion of that, but I'm going to... Buy it there. I was wondering about that, actually. I'm sure they probably get cranky if you carried one in. Yeah, yeah. So I figure I'll buy one there. I'll look and see what they've got. Because they had some really good choices last year. I know. You were pretty hip on a coffee one, I thought. Yeah, there was a coffee one last week, which last I, year, that which was I, really good. Although we had the... What was the one that we tried last year? It was a prickly pear one. Yeah, that was good, too. That was amazing. Yeah, so anyway... If you want to talk to us, let us know what you're thinking about this episode, any other episode, you can do so by uh, dropping us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Facebook at POI Network, or at our own page there at Musically Challenged Podcast. Either way, any of these three ways, we will definitely get back to you. And we have one more way in which you can reach out to us, Lou. And that's going to be on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us via the Twitter, you can use MC, it's at MCPodcast17, and we'll be more than happy to hear what you have to say. If you want to give us some love, give us some hate, give us a playlist, 14 hours, 14 different songs. If you want to do a theme, great, that's awesome. If not, that's cool, too. We do have a couple user a listener requests that we'll be taking care of in 2018, and Keep listening to hear that, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. This will drop a few days before the new year, so I think like the 28th of December. Or something, something like, like that, that, yeah. So, yeah, so thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio. <laughs>